Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Hello and welcome to another episode of Recovery Talks Spotlight Podcast. I'm here with Bobby Becker. She is the current MPN board president uh, and has been uh, on the board for a few years. Uh, Bobby works for Living Independently for Today and Tomorrow and is out in eastern Montana. Welcome, Bobby. Welcome, Andy. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about your involvement in the behavioral health system. I started working for Living Independently for Today and Tomorrow back in 2003, and it really clicked with me um, helping people with disabilities since I had one myself. And from that, I got involved with the Eastern Service Area Authority. Just to give a little background on the service area authorities, there are three service area authorities that cover the state of Montana. And eastern Montana covers the 28 counties in eastern, southeastern Montana. And so we actually formed that board and we work collaboratively with Addictive Mental Disorders Division and DPHHS um, to improve our public mental health system. And from the service area authorities, we got local advisory councils up and running to really work on behavioral health and to have the community come together and kind of work together to provide some solutions to the problems that are unique to each community throughout our state. Yeah, those are some really great opportunities for people to be involved and and have their voice heard. Uh, on behavioral health issues in the state. Uh, How did you connect with Montana's Peer Network? With Montana's Peer Network, actually through Brett Morris, the former board president, he had encouraged me um, to become a board member. And I was kind of going through some bumps in the road at that time back in 2015, but I actually made it to their recovery conference. And it was kind of like an aha moment, like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) We have people that are, you know, living their life and not afraid to speak about the issues that they've had and what has worked and what hasn't, and really focusing on what we have available in our state to help us be the best that we can be and work through situations that, you know, come up in our life. So back in 2015 was the first time that I really found out anything about Montana's Peer Network. Well, I think that was the first year the recovery conference was held, too, because I think we're going into our fourth year now. So uh, it's really cool that you got, you know, started about that time and that the recovery conference was something that kind of led you into um, being a part of the board. 
Yeah, and then I, I finally came on the board and committed. It was like I had to kind of get myself right, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> and then in 2017, I was like, yeah, I want to do the board commitment and do the assignments. And then was actually accepted to be part of that board. So thank you, Brent, and everybody else who I met that kind of inspired me. <laughs> Well, it's been great to have you on the board. You uh, have had some struggles um, during your recovery, and you kind of have a holistic approach, uh, but what do you think has been the hardest struggle for you in maintaining your recovery? I think the hardest is kind of dealing with my smoking, because my smoking really does affect all aspects of my life, my anxiety, the racing thoughts, kind of like it's impulsive, like a hand-to-mouth issue for me. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm trying to quit, you know, right now, but it's been a struggle for the last probably 34 years. I've smoked since I was 14, so it's a behavior that I'm going to have to evaluate and figure out how I stopped doing that. Yeah, I know that's a really hard struggle for a lot of people. Um, you know, I, I've heard people with substance use uh, problems say that, that smoking is harder than most of the other uh, substances. How do you think that relates to your racing thoughts? Well, I think when I get stressed or overwhelmed, you reach for that cigarette thinking it's going to calm you down. But the more you smoke, and you can be like a chain smoker, too. The more the thoughts keep going round and round. And then you start beating yourself up because you know it's so unhealthy for you. <laughs> <laughs> and it really impacts your, your whole day. It takes so much time, you know, to smoke and, you know, nibble on your nails and try to refocus your, your brain and your thoughts. So it seems like it's it's sort of counterintuitive. You, you think it's going to help um, calm you down, but it doesn't really. You know, my youngest son, Micah, once said to me, and he was little. He might have been eight or nine. And they were learning about, you know, don't smoke and don't do drugs at school. And he came home and told me, you know, Mom, your brain is just tricking you. <laughs> you think... <laughs> You think that the smoking is going to help calm you down, but it doesn't. It's just tricking you. And he was right on. <laughs> yeah, our brains are good at tricking us into things, aren't they? <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes. Yeah, absolutely. I know you've struggled um, some with anxiety, too. What, what are some of the tools you use to to deal with your anxiety and, and the racing thoughts. You know, in 2012, a friend of mine, her niece came, and she was going to stay in Glendale for the whole summer, and then she was going to be heading to India to do her, her yoga instruction class to become certified. And in 2012, we, we did yoga every day, and meditation, and just kind of connecting with yourself. And that was a kind of a turning point for me. 
you know, prior to that, I, I've always liked to be outdoors. I feel calmer when I'm in nature. And we have Makoshika State Park right here in Glendive. So that's like sacred ground for me. But the yoga and the meditation and the breathing, the guided, has helped me so much. It's interesting that you mentioned the guided part of that. You know, I, I think sometimes the thought of doing yoga or meditation or, or mindfulness can be a little overwhelming to people to, to start off with. It's good to start with somebody who can lead you through that process, yeah. I think. Um, do you think that probably helped you uh, figure that out, having someone to lead you in that process? I do, and I think that um, it has to be somebody you connect with that has that calming effect. Like, this is something new, and if you have thoughts come in while we're doing yoga or meditating, you know, the thought came in, it's okay, but come back to your breathing, refocus, and just let it go. But I'm really into a lot of smudging to clear negative energy. Just that ritual of smudging and saying a positive mantra is, is a great way to start the day. Yeah, and you start every day that way, that way right? Yes. Yeah. I'm smudging right now. <laughs> <laughs> we need good vibes. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit more about how the having the state park there um, is helpful to you. I know you do some of your peer support groups out there when the weather's good. I do. There's just nothing like being out in nature, feeling the, the wind, breathing fresh air, the sun. You know, even when it's cooler, crisp fall days, it just, it grounds me. And there are some neat things that you see that nobody else is ever going to be in that moment that you are in when you stay in the present. You know, we've we've got we've done yoga out there, and you'll see a deer and then her little family. They'll come and kind of check you out, and you'll just sit there cross-legged, <laughs> staring right at them, and they just look right at you. They're not scared. They do what they need to do, and then they you know, run off. There's just so many neat things that you can see. And it doesn't matter where you where you live, you can find that in your community or surrounding areas. Yeah, that's great. I think sometimes Yeah. Sometimes I think we really take for granted what's around us. I mean up here in Haver we have we have the largest uh, county park in the country. Uh, and, and we kinda take that for granted while we're up here that you know, it is a space where you can just go and uh, and just be mindful and, and quiet and and focus your energy. And, and, and I love it, and it's got to warm up quite a bit, but there's um, a couple of my friends. We go all the way up into Makoshika to where they have the amphitheater, and they have, um, it's, a, it's a little area and it's rock. And when the sun beats on that, it's like doing hot yoga. And you would be surprised how the heat, when you're laying and stretching, will relax your muscles. And I think when you live with anxiety, it can almost paralyze you at times. 
And until you learn to know what it feels like to be relaxed, you don't realize how much tension and toxins you keep within your body. Yeah, I've noticed if, if I don't pay attention to, you know, what my body's telling me, um, I, I don't realize how much energy it's taking to sustain that tension. Do you have some good participation in your groups when you hold them out there? I do. You know, one of the largest groups that we had, I think we had six or seven people show up, was last year um, in the summer when, when we had it at Makoshika. That one was a morning session, so it was one to start the day out. The one that I'm having next will kind of be more of a, a winding down your day support group where we're going to focus on smudging and cleansing negative energy, learning to let go. And then I want to visit a little bit about negative burning, but probably next month I'll do a one that's totally focused on negative burning. And when you burn, you can see some really cool smoke go up, and you're like, yeah, it was about time I let that go. It's kind of weird how the fires... <laughs> <laughs> can do its own thing and send you a little message like, yeah, it's been long overdue. Yeah, let it go. <laughs> can you tell me a little bit more about that negative burning? The negative burning is if you have letters or journals or pictures or something that triggers you. To me, I, I've done all of the above. You have a fire and you really focus on your breathing, letting go. And then when you're ready you burn it. People can share if they want, but they don't have to. But it's just the process of burning and having people to support, even though they don't know what you're burning, but they're supporting you and letting go of something that no longer serves you. Wow, that's a, that's a really interesting way to help let go of some of that negative energy and, and mm -hmm. those things that are holding you back. It resets me, and it kind of helps recharge me, physically, so, emotionally, spiritually. Yeah, so it, it's great that you're providing um, people with a way to, with, with multiple ways, I guess, to, to cope with things by starting the day in a certain way or ending the day uh, in a certain way. I think that's a really unique way to do the peer support groups uh, as opposed to meeting at the same time every week doing the same stuff. You're kind of giving people more tools to use and, and take what they want and disregard yeah. things that don't work. And, and I bring a lot of stuff to the support group because I want people to know that it's, we're here to support you with whatever you need. And so I start my support group, but we'll talk for 15 or 20 minutes, and then people can really do whatever they're needing to do. If they want to paint rocks with a positive message, if they want to color um because i'm very add so coloring <laughs> kind of helps me refocus when i need to slow it down a little bit there's essential oils people can take a walk they can smudge to negative burning it's really whatever they need in that moment when they're at that support group yeah and a great lesson in being mindful about what it is that you're doing um uh, one of the recent podcasts that Jim and I did together, we, we were talking about uh, being mindful and 
in recovery planning, and, and one of his examples was uh, learning to play the guitar, that when you're able to focus on that one specific task, it is a kind of meditation, really personal to, to each individual. So, yeah, if, if painting is the thing that helps you focus on one thing and quiet your mind, then use that in whatever way that you can. And, and I think it helps retrain the mind because we get used to the chaos and learning to, we think we're functioning. But then when you look at your eight dimensions of wellness, then it's like, oh, hell no, I'm not. You know, just like last week, I really focused on um, painting and my grandson, he'll be a year in August, but we had taken little impressions of his little butt to do the pumpkins, you know? And so I finally did finish up his little canvas with his little pumpkin butt, but it's, I love you to the moon and back. Oh. And then it's, it's painted with the year. And now I'm going to work on his little feet that we did over Valentine's Day to do some message about love. And it does, it makes me focus because I can get so distracted, but when I'm in that moment and in the present, I can focus for about half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, and actually complete something. And that completion, I'm sure, is really um, uplifting, I, I guess. You know, uh, having that feeling of accomplishment. Yeah, I spent half an hour doing this project, and look what I've got at the end of it. Yeah, exactly. So you talk a lot about the eight dimensions of wellness. How do you address those, uh, like, in your support group? Do you talk about those things? I do, and, and I always have the eight dimensions of wellness available for people to look at. Um, I always have self-care plans that people can take and fill out that really focuses on your mind, body, and spirit. And having that visual, who is supportive in my life and what do I want to accomplish? And then you can go a step further and have a more elaborate self-care plan if you choose. But having it written down so you can look back and track it or update it really helps. Yeah, I think writing things down is so important in, in recovery planning and in self-care and, and crisis and, and all of those things. You know, sometimes I have that stuff in my head, but if you don't write it down, when you need it the most, it might not be there for you. Yeah, it slips away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're not quick enough to grab it. Be like, no. <laughs> so you talked about smudging every morning. Are there any other uh, sort of ritual things you do on a daily basis that address, you know, the holistic ideas of dealing with behavioral health? I do a lot of essential oils, um, diffusers. Uh, it's really creating a calm environment for me to thrive in. It's great that you're, you're aware of how much your environment impacts your, your well-being. So this has been a great conversation. Bobby, do you have anything else you'd like to talk about? There's hope. Recovery is possible. Jim has instilled that message in me, and MPN has too. You know, there is hope. Recovery is possible. Recovery works, and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works 
Recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. <laughs> recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible.